presence and this atmosphere with the Lord. If you feel the Lord knocking on your heart and seizing you right now, kind of grabbing your heart with a love grasp, seizing your heart to make some decisions with Him. I'm going to make the altar open right now. And with that presence of God, that seizing presence of Jesus Christ in your heart saying, man, I don't know what this is, but this draw is grabbing my heart to make some decisions. Your decisions today affect your tomorrow. I'm going to open the altar, and if that's what's going on in you, and you're feeling as he's being lifted up, he's beginning to draw all men unto himself, and there's things that he's drawing you to make a decision for and with, come on up right now. Forget about everyone else. It's between you and Jesus. one hand to heaven and put one over your heart there's a young man that gave a prophetic word he said God's restoring the awe to his church this church he said the wonder and the awe the awe he said God restore the awe of God in my life restore the awe of God in my life restore the wonder and the awe of Jesus Christ alive in my life. Restore that awe. Then I want you to turn to your neighbor and agree with them. Say, God's restoring the awe and the wonder of himself in your life. He's restoring the awe the wonder. That sphere of his king, kingdom in your life. That sphere, that atmosphere change. That presence. Lord, you're restoring the awe and the wonder and now as you grab your neighbor's hand lift them to heaven and say Lord you're restoring the awe and you're restoring the wonder to your church 
you're favoring Zion, you're favoring your church, you're promoting yourself in your people and in the saints in the church. And Lord, you're reemphasizing your kingdom, that you're king, you're Lord in Christ, that you are alive, there's no other king. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one God. Hear, all you judges of the earth, all you presidents, kiss the son unless he be angry and you perish in the way. There is a king of all kings, and there's a lord of all lords. There's a leader above every leader, and his name is Jesus Christ, the Son of God. Over our lives in this church, lordship, the kingdom, come. Will you tell them that in your life, in this church, in this community, kingdom of God, come. We desire your kingdom. Come, Lord, we need you and the kingdom. We need your government. We need your rule. We need the extension of you in our lives and in our society and our nation right now. Nations are in chaos. Let your divine rule come. Jesus Christ, the man with the plumb line in his hand in Zerubbabel's vision, Zechariah's vision, set our lives in order. Set your church in order. Set this nation in order. Our Father, let's pray it, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Call for it. Your kingdom come. Your kingdom come on this earth as it is in heaven. your eyes and, and drink in God's presence. Drink in his wonder. Drink in his awe. Drink in his beauty. Let him awaken you and keep you awake. Let him trim your lamp so you're not without oil. Let him bring you from where you are into your next with him. Delivered from the powers of darkness, translated into the kingdom of his dear son. To Him be the glory and honor and praise. And of His kingdom of government, there shall be no end. The increase of it in our lives, in His church, in His ecclesia, in this community, not just the universal church in Matthew 16, but the local church in the city of Crane, write I these things. Lord, we welcome you. Thank you for new presence, new strength, new garments, greater measure of your kingdom. Hebrews chapter 12, the 28th verse, says that we're receiving a kingdom. Yeah, I touched a part of the kingdom years ago and as it unfolds, but there's another measure, say another measure of the king and the kingdom in our lives right now. The Lord's designed it to reemphasize his kingdom. Wherefore, Hebrews 12, 28th verse, we, say I, say we, 
receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Let us have grace whereby we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Say, Lord, I'm receiving another measure of your kingdom, of your authority, of your rule, of your presence, of your kingdom. Right now, right now, in my life, in my family, in this community. Go ahead and praise him for it. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus, our King. Thank you, Jesus, our King. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, 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 Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Oh, we give you glory. Oh, we give you praise. Oh, we give you glory. We give you praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Almighty God, Everlasting Father. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory. Glory, glory, glory to your name. You can be seated. You can be seated. Wonderful Jesus. Wonderful Counselor. Prince of Peace. Almighty God. Everlasting Father. Thank you, Lord, for days of definition and distinction. Greater light in your church and in your people. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you for the spirit of your kingdom. Not the definition, but the spirit of your kingdom. Thank you for infallible proofs. Making and showing yourself alive in our lives. Thank you for visiting us, your people, for 40 days and appearing to us, revealing your kingdom, refocusing us. And we don't ask what's going on in the kingdom of Israel. We're asking what goes on in the kingdom of God. These things we're to know. Make it known to us as you appear in your presence to us and in dreams and in visions and revelations to us. We tell the Lord with your hand over your heart, Lord, increase me with dreams. Increase me with vision. Increase me with the revelations of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Acts chapter 1. Cain, if you'd put it up there for me. Verse 3. Acts 1, 3. To whom also he showed himself alive. Say alive. After his passion by many infallible proofs being seen of them 40 days and speaking, say speaking, of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God. With your eyes closed, say, God, you're going to speak to me in these 40 days. You're going to speak to me. You're going to appear to me in heart through your words, through the body of Christ, directing worship and presence. And you're going to change my life. You're going to reemphasize your kingdom in my life and in your church. I'm going to refocus because of you. Lord, we thank you for this. 
our 40 days of your appearing, so to speak, in our lives, in, our, in this church, in doing so, extending your kingdom in this community. So, Father, right now, we receive more revelation, more vision, and more dreams of you to build, Lord, to build and extend yourself through us. So, Father, I pray today and thank you today for your presence. And I thank you for new oil and new wine. And I thank you for your re-emphasis of yourself in our lives. And, Lord, I pray as we make room here, Lord, that one vision, one mind, the mind of Christ, one heart in this house. And, Lord, as we obey you, and I'm halting, and we make tremendous room, and there's many graces and gifts in your house that are saying the same thing and showing another view of the growth and extension of you in the kingdom. So I'm praying right now, Lord, that the word of God would have free course. And I'm praying that you'd release Anna today with that word in season. I pray, God, that she'd be spent and that you'd squeeze out of her what you deposited in her. What you dispensed in her heart from Jesus Christ. That she would release it with no sheepishness but with all authority. That she'd speak as an oracle of God by the ability which you've given her. In Jesus' name, Lord, we have eyes to see, ears to hear, and a heart to understand. That we might be converted to the next phase of our walk with you. In Jesus' name, everyone said, Amen. like the heart of the Lord is saying he not only made this altar open this morning but he's opening the heavens to you he's trying to show you his heart towards you is is so strong his love is is so deep his faithfulness is so ongoing amen so so when those type of things are given think of it that way Yes, he's saying this altar is open what God's really saying is my heavens are open to you all that I have is available to you. I remember um, in a situation one time that was, it was pretty intense, and we were in a plane, 37,000 feet, and something was going on uh, physically in my body, and, you know, there you are in a plane. What can be done about that? There's no antibiotics around. You know, you're, you're kind of just looking forward or not looking forward to the next several hours of pain. But Craig and I began to uh, seek God and pray and just praise him there in our seats. Cain and Danielle in front of us, all strapped in our seats. We all knew, they all were aware of what was going on. And I, God spoke something to my heart, saying that everything I have is at your disposal. And we, we had a tremendous encounter during, uh, during that plane ride and saw God uh, heal my body. And it was just an amazing thing. But it's not just an open altar here. It's, it's the heavens are open to you. God's heart is open to you. And I have some things that I wanted to share. Some of them go back to, to our fast. Uh, let me start there because one of the things uh, 
when we were to go into prayer and fasting a couple weeks ago, one of the things was to address areas of barrenness. And it was areas, and what's barrenness? It's, it's desolation. It's no growth, uh, you know, just stark, barren land, a barren area in your heart where you don't seem to be uh, progressing, where you don't seem to be having any thriving or fruitfulness going on. God is all about fruitfulness, is he not? Be fruitful and multiply. Everything you look, even in nature, just cut open a piece of fruit. Cut open a cantaloupe. And how many seeds are in that one cantaloupe? How much more is that going to produce? A hundredfold, far beyond that one thing. That's how God wants to work in our lives, just causing us to thrive. It says those, uh, they shall flourish like the palm tree. They'll grow like a cedar in Lebanon, Psalms 92. Those that are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish in the courts of their God. And that's what we want, that flourishing. So it said address areas of barrenness in your own life, maybe in your household, maybe in your community. And it was even mentioned, and in this place, in Ecclesia, are there places of desolation and barrenness? We began to pray as Hannah did. It says she poured out her soul to the Lord. One of the things that came forth was, let's birth some Samuels. And by God, I believe we did, maybe even literally, but birth a Samuel, that is a consecrated one. One that's consecrated and devoted wholeheartedly to God. Let's replace the barrenness with Samuels popping up everywhere. Amen. So I was praying that and thinking about that, and I thought of, you were just on Acts 1, but I thought of uh, Acts 1, verse 20, and it speaks of Judas. Ooh, Judas. I don't want to talk about him. But, you know, Judas was named among the apostles. And then, uh, of course, he betrayed the Lord. And then uh, Acts 1, 20, okay, it's up there. For it is written in the book of Psalms, let his habitation be desolate or barren, let no man dwell therein, and his bishopric let another take. You're like, what in the world does bishopric mean? But uh, let's just uh, put it in some terms that we can understand. Verse 25, you don't have to go there, but it says that uh, this fulfilled a prophecy as was spoken in Psalms, but it was Judas's transgression. It was his, his sin that caused him to fall from the place that he had. And what uh, there's a lot that's there that I'm not going to try to break it all down into. It's pretty heavy stuff. But one thing I want to point out to you, for every one of us, God has a habitation that we are, are to fill. Every one of us. No one else can fill that place. No one else can take that place. And we're not talking about filling up space. We're talking about people taking their place, filling their lines. The psalmist in Psalm 16 said, My lines... Or the lines have fallen unto me in pleasant places. God has a habitation for you and a purpose for you to carry out and do and fulfill in his body that no one else can do. No one else can inhabit that place. Yes, someone else, if you abdicate it, and I'm going to go over that word abdicate because that's some of the problem with the barrenness is because people will abdicate their positions. But uh, no one can fill a habitation, but God will get the job done, you know, with or without me. If I'm unwilling, God forbid. But didn't we just say, not my will, but your will. I delight to do your will, O God. So he said, let another uh, take his place. And that's his office, his responsibility, his, his charge, his duty. 
someone else can do that. So I started just thinking of that and saying, oh, God, we don't want people to abdicate their, their habitations. Abdicate means to renounce one's throne. It's used when, if a king should decide to abdicate his place. It's a failure to fill or undertake a responsibility or a duty. And as I'm saying these things, just let's look within our, our own hearts. Are we doing that anywhere? Am I doing that anywhere with you, God, in the habitation that you have for me? It means to, well, some of the synonyms are to renounce, to resign, to relinquish, to waive, or to give up. The last one is so sad. May we never get to a place where we just decide to give up the calling of God to our lives. Let's watch one another, you know, for that. We're supposed to be watchful of each other and see, too, that no one is growing so weary that they're ready to just to, to give up, and to just to relinquish that precious habitation that God has for each one of us. And I'll, I'll tell you right now, there are some places in here where that has happened for whatever reason. And we're uh, turning that tide. We're reversing that. We're bucking that trend of that happening. Tipping those scales in a whole other direction, in God's direction. Even in Jude, it talks about how angels left their habitation. An angel leaving that habitation of God. And then they too, by transgression, they too fell and left their habitation. It made me think of, of Esther. And I wanted you to go there, Cain. It's Esther. I have it written here somewhere. Esther 4, verse 14. It's like I said, um, God will see to it that his will is done, that his heavenly vision is carried out, whether we're obedient to it or not. But what we're striving for is to us be, be obedient. Amen? Be obedient to his, his vision. But Esther 4, 14. If you all together hold your peace at this time, then shall their enlargement and deliverance arise to the Jews from another place. This was Mordecai speaking to Esther. He said because there was something she needed to do. It was a big thing. It was a scary thing. She could lose her life doing it. And he presented it to her this way. The deliverance will arise from another place. But there was consequences. But you and your father's house will be destroyed. And who knows? Whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this, for such a time as right now, God has spent time depositing in you and pouring in you, and hopefully you have been making the most of that and seizing all of those opportunities. But if not, there's remedy for that too that we're going to look at. So it's not just about taking up space, but uh, filling, uh, taking our place and filling our, our lines and it says that Judas fell from a transgression into, to sin. Whatever is not of faith is sin. Did you know the Bible says that? Whatever is not of faith is sin. It's Romans 14, 23. What can rob me of my faith? Doubt and unbelief. Huge faith robber. Fear and anxiety. Get in there. Our natural senses can rob our faith too because we get moved. What we see, what we don't see, what we hear, what we don't hear. And then a very subtle one, but apathy and complacency will also rob your faith. Something is going to take the place of your faith. If there's not faith, there's something else is, is going to creep in. 
So I want to just quickly go through some scriptures that let you know about having this habitation. In 1 Corinthians 12, you don't have to go there, Kim. It's all right. 1 Corinthians 12, 18. Just write that down. You can look these things up later. It says, God has set the members, every one of them, in the body as it pleases us. Does it say that? It says as it pleases him. As it, just think about that. It's, it's pleasing to God. Just like when he created you know, the heavens and the earth and he saw it was good. It says he, he sets members. And in that 1 Corinthians 12, the analogy is the physical body. But he dovetails right in to the body of Christ being the same way. Many-membered body. And he has set you in his body as it pleases him. He has a plan and a purpose. He knows what he's doing. And if we, are, if we abdicate that, if we hold back, whether it's because of uh, just, you know, fear, if we hold back up here, that's something we're always encouraging, and out here too, but just to be, to be free, to be free. Worship freely. Worship wholeheartedly. Because you'll see yourself grow into, the, into filling more of your lines. I thought about how, you know, let's say if, if this whole room, that would be, sad if that was it but if this whole room was my lines <laughs> and then I was like okay I have this whole room and then I just and I just stand here and I just keep going like this in like just one little square foot and that's all I utilize that's all I I take up that's all I inhabit am I fulfill am I filling my lines that God has given me no I thought about you know in the Olympics when they show the gymnasts when they do those floor routines they have lines that they have to stay in right but you, have, you ever notice they use every little inch because they need it. They need as much space to uh, fulfill, you know, that routine, that thing they have to do. But I, I love that, about that they really fill their lines. They stay within their boundaries, but they, you know, the camera will even show it. And you'll see their heel. It's just like probably like half an inch just from that line that's set there. But make sure that we fill our lines. We tend to just stay real comfortable. We even stay in our same pews even. I, I like it right here. I'm going to, you know, occupy this space because we don't like the feeling of, of being maybe uh, uncomfortable. We like routine at times. But First Corinthians 12 says he set every member, every one of them. I love that. There's no one out of place. He has a place for every one of us. Don't ever feel like, well, it doesn't matter. No, you don't know how our hearts think our hearts long our hearts yearn to see every member and the ones that we know god has given us and some of you we can't let go of even if you tend to stray away know that we we stay with that because we have that god-given thing that we can't let go of you that's from god and we continue to pray and believe and draw everyone in and it's not like i said not just so we can be full in here and say woohoo we filled the building no because then we know we're, we're gonna have that much more impact the kingdom of God to advance. That's what Tom was talking about. The kingdom means a realm. There's a realm of God that you and I are to live in. You know, we might, at times, you know, if you really look into Christianity and the whole thing of being born again and that I have died and Christ lives in me, it has this little sci-fi thing to it. But it really is true. And we live in a higher realm than the world lives in. We have greater things at our disposal that those without hope and without God in the world don't have. But our intention is to bring them in to that number because God has a place for them. 1 Corinthians uh, 1, 9, one of my favorite scriptures in the Amplified, says God is faithful, reliable, trustworthy, 
therefore ever true to his promise and he can be depended on. He can be depended on. Then the second part says, by whom you were called into fellowship is what the King James says. It's the word koinonia. It's a partnership. It's participation. It actually means intercourse. It's that intimate of a word by his son, Jesus Christ. There's a word to be participating, co-laboring with God, with each other. We have a place. We have a function. And even in this this body, I, I see some of those places fall on Jimmy Heath, for example. I'll use you as an example. Because of others, whether by ignorance, by for whatever reason, those habitations are not yet filled. They're not functioning them. Jimmy can't fill those habitations, but he can take their their office, their responsibility, their duty, and you see him do it. Whether it's he's up here changing the light bulb or he's working on plumbing. You know, these are just practical things, but I'm saying it's a many-membered body that we all should be uh, filling our lines and the no one person is having to do more than God intends for them to do. Ephesians 4.16 talks about every joint supplying. Let's go to that one, Cain. From whom the whole body, fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. Say, every joint supplies. Every joint supplies. Say, I have a supply. Amen. By which every joint supplies, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Say, every part. And what happens when that happens? It makes the increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. It grows. The body begins to grow. Our faith begins to grow. The kingdom of God begins to expand and take ground. And that's what we want to see happening in our community. More ground being taken. The more that you are uh, planted in and growing and, and understand the things that God has called you to do, the gifts and the anointings that are in your life and the, and the talents there's no, there's no stopping God and, and his people from what will come forth from that. And it is a th- sad thing to see it fall short of that when, when you know there is so much greater. I already mentioned Psalm 16, verse 6. The lines have fallen into me in pleasant places. I have a good inheritance. Uh, Acts 17, 26. You don't have to go there. It says that he has set the boundaries of my habitation. So don't you set them. Don't you set them. You need to be reaching for it, inquiring of God and praying about, God, what are my, the boundaries that you have set? It says he's before ordained them and prepared for me my lines and my boundaries, the, the functions, the responsibilities, the duties, the anointings, the gifts, the grace of God to my life that he wants me to function in. And I want to take up every inch of those. We talked about abdicating. Because you also see that happen in, in households. And that's why we are so intent here on seeing. Uh, Tom started to get into it about authority and about being under authority. And we uh, believe to, to raise up here to see husbands and fathers that are in their place in God in their homes. Because, you know, at times you'll see that happen where the wife, bless her heart, she will try to do uh, the role of what, what her husband should be doing or as a, as a father should be doing. But she can't, she can't do that. She can maybe uh, keep chaos from breaking out to a degree. But it's God's intended 
thing for the man to be doing it, for the man to be leading. I'll tell you what, you see a man lead, lead his, his house, says we're going to do this, the mother, the children, they, all, they follow. They follow because it's God-given. It's a God-given thing. And um, I thought about it. it. Joshua said, not his wife, Joshua said, as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. Joshua said that. As for me, and guess what? Everybody else, this is what we're going to do. Guess what? You know, on Sunday morning, we are going to assemble for the saints. And so, um, and we're going to do this. But now I know that if there's husbands that that is not happening at the moment. That's okay. That's okay. You just stay with that, with wanting God's order, God's order for your household. And that, that time will come. That time will come. Amen. But it's God's way. One of the first ways to attack barrenness, I thought was really interesting, I saw in Matthew 23. That's just like, there's some chapters in the Bible I just write, whoa, like W-H-O-A in front of them. That's one of them. Like heavy duty. Because he's saying a lot of whoa, W-O-E to them. And it's like, whoa. But as it comes towards the end of it, let's see, Cain. Twenty-seven. There it is. Whoa. Let's see. Now go to twenty-eight. Is there a twenty-eight? That's not what I wanted. Let me look at my Bible. I'll actually use my Bible. Is there? Well, I'll just go. I got it right here. Oh, okay, yeah, 37. So go to 37. It's probably there. Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that kill the prophets and stone them which are sent unto you. Like, I would never do that. God sent prophets to me. I would not kill them. I would not stone them. But, you know, we need to search our hearts. And how often did God send someone to us with the prophetic word in their mouth and we killed it? Maybe we didn't kill them that we just killed it or we just stoned them through our, our hard heart. You that kill the prophets and stone them, which are sent unto you. How often? Now, this is, this is God's heart that is speaking here. How often? Know that God is often and always reaching for us and reaching for you and staying with you to see you come fully into his will. His will for your life. How often would I have gathered your children together, even as a hen gathers her chickens under her wings, and you would not. It says you refused. Stiff-arming God. Doesn't sound like something that we would think we're doing. Search my heart, O oh God. See if there be any wicked way in me that unwittingly and unknowingly keeps me out of that habitation and filling my lines. So it goes on to say in that next verse, Behold, your house is left unto you desolate. There's that consequence, barren. Now look at the next verse. For I say unto you, you shall not see me henceforth or again, till you shall say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. You want to start addressing barrenness, desolation in your life? Then you start opening up your mouth and you say, Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. And you will see him again. You'll begin to see him moving again in your life and, and stirring you and drawing you. 
And was that not one of the things of our fast? To contend for the rightful exaltation of the Lord. Blessed there. It means to magnify in worship. To adore. To exalt. To praise. And I want you just to close your eyes right now. I just want to give place to that. Whether it's muttered. Whether it's silent. Whether it's shouted. If you need to say again in your life. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. I'm just going to be silent and give place for that right now. Yes. Yes. You fill those voids, God. You reverse that desolation and barrenness to our lives. You're like, why do, we, why do you make us do things like that? Why do we have to close our eyes? Why do we have to say things? And... Uh, <laughs> because, you know, we're, if, if you haven't noticed this by now, we're, we're a pretty uh, intense company of believers here that we really believe that God wants to transform us, that he's here to change us. We really do believe that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, and that faith goes by speaking and speaking forth the word of God. So these are just ways to get you to exercise your faith and to learn to do it the same way. I read a statement, and it went all over me. It was just a book I've been reading, but the man said in it, he said, many Christians, instead of saying, will you pray for me? They should be saying, teach me the word of God. Teach me the word of God. Yes, I, I will pray for you. Yes, I believe in the power of prayer. I wouldn't have consecrated the past over 200 Saturday nights in here praying for all of us and then some. But it's like, that's what, that's what we need. Teach me the word of God. So that it could be, the, it says the kingdom of God is like a seed that is planted. A woman, uh, conception doesn't happen until there's a seed. A farmer cannot get a crop until there's a seed. Faith cannot grow until there's a seed. So I want to talk about that a little bit. Because part of filling your lives and your habitation, you have to grow. In order to grow, you have to have that seed. And that seed is the word of God. So let me just look at, at a few things like that. You continue to let that churn in your heart. Blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord. I'm going to eradicate barrenness. I'm going to plow the ground by making that statement of adoration. And some seeds are going to be sown. And I'm going to start experiencing more of this realm that I hear talked about of the kingdom of God. We have access to an entirely unlimited realm where God dwells. Uh, Monday we had the ladies meeting uh, that Sharon has initiated and yay for Sharon. She's always very good about wanting to make things available. The ladies are so strong in her heart and you notice that she's back there with the children because that could be another, is that totally like the habitation that she is supposed to fill? I'm not sure. I know cause I know she teaches but I know she has a heart and, will, and God will not see it go undone. So she's filling that wonder if there's anyone else maybe that could be filling that and being used in that same area. But anyway, we talked about some different things that are being said right now. That's what it's all about, how we can apply what the word of the Lord that's coming forth uh, in season, the word in season. So um, we talked about different things, and then she asked me to share about how, uh, because we talked about not being, it says the righteous shall never be moved. You know, and it's easy to get moved at times and, and get fearful and think, you know, 
that this is going to happen or this is not going to happen. And she goes, how do you stay with the scriptures? How do you stay, not move? And when she asked her that, I told Christ, I don't know why I respond this way. But I was, felt like, I started feeling all sheepish. Oh, well, you know, because I guess you don't feel like, I know it's not my strength. I know that there is a, God has shown me a thing or two about a thing or two in, in regards to this. But then it was, I felt that little sheepish thing. But then I also felt the Spirit of God say to me, don't speak sheepishly. Speak like a sheep. Because <laughs> it says, my sheep hear my voice. You know, <laughs> It's like we, it says they know his voice. They know his word. So I want to just speak forth as, as a sheep. And what I thought about was, what I said basically was, well, it's, it's because I just have to bring it back to the word because I have uh, sown the word into my heart and it is reproduced in that manner uh, to make, you know, unmovable and un, unshakable. It's, it's a process. I've given decades to it of time and God has his way. He forges a path in us. And it's, I think you, we get that sheepish because we're like, well, it's not really something I have done. But yes, it is something you have done and that you have applied yourself and do what God said to do. I want you to go to Proverbs 4, verse 23. It is such a foundational scripture for healing, for one thing, for physical healing, but for many other things. And I began to see, and God began to show me, oh, little sheep, Anna, this is... Why? This is what you did. This is what you've done. Once again, that's not the one I want. Okay, <laughs> let, me, let me back up. What's before that? Yeah, go to the next 21. 20, verse 20. There it is. Thank you. I know. I did. Uh, we're going backwards. My son, my daughter. Attend to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Next. Let them not depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. Next. For they are life unto those that find them and health to all their flesh. So by attending to his word, by inclining my heart to his sayings, or my ear to his sayings, by not letting them depart from my eyes, by keeping them in the midst of my heart. And that first verse that came up we didn't go to, it says, guard your heart with all diligence. The Amplified says, above all that you guard. Are there things that you guard? You know, do you lock your homes? Do you lock your vehicles? Do you guard your purse when you're out? <laughs> above all the things that we guard, do you guard your children? you watch over them? you guard your investments, your monies? Above all that you guard, how are you doing on guarding your heart? God says to guard it above all that you guard. It says you keep his word in the midst of your heart and something happens. His words are life to those who find them. That's a key thing. We'll get back to that. And health to all their flesh. So, so, to, so to answer Sharon that question and, and how do you stay uh, with your heart fixed, trusting in the Lord, it is that continual process of doing those things attending to his word, inclining my ear to his sayings, not letting them depart from my eyes, keeping them in the midst of my heart. It's life to those who find them. And who, according to the scriptures, who finds things? Seekers. Seekers find things. And I had some stuff on this that I'm kind of excited about to share. Uh, yeah, according to the scriptures, it's he who seeks will find. 
And you've heard her say this before. When Danielle was little, she would say, you know, I can't find my toy. I'm like, well, did you look for it or did you seek for it? You know, because look, you go like, you go like, not there. You walk away. But when you seek, you know, you're intent on finding it and you move things around. You move things out of the way. And, and uh, at times we even do that with the fridge. Do we have any of this? No, we don't. I'm like, yeah, it's in there. You just maybe have to move things around and find it. So you have to seek. There's such a difference. And I thought about how the term for churches that got popular, I don't know, seeker-friendly. Seeker-friendly. It's a misnomer. Because true seekers, they're not concerned about how friendly or how comfortable or if it's easy or if it's popular or if it's trendy. True seekers are hungry hungering and thirsting for truth, for reality, for God. They want changes in their life. They're not concerned about, oh, it's going to make me a little uncomfortable. They make me close my eyes and say things. They make us pray with each other type of thing. So that's, that's really entirely a misnomer. And let me say this, too, because I, I see this happen where, you know, just a note to parents. Instead of basing a church, because remember, God sets you in his body where it pleases him. And I don't know how many people say, God, you know, where are we placed? Where is our placement? Who are we connected to? That's a really easy way usually to figure out where God intends for you and has you placed by the God-given relationships he puts in your life and those joint and marrow connections that you have with each other. But I'll see people try to find a, a church to go to based on, well, it just has the most awesome children's program. And that's all good and well. I mean, we need to be, you know, teach our children. I'm glad they're back there right now receiving uh, from Sharon. But how about, consider this, how about a place where uh, the leadership is going to invest in you and the word that's coming forth is going to change you and it's going to uh, convict you and it's going to bring you and introduce you into the presence of God or maybe the repentance of God, or maybe the treasured dealings of God. How about a place that God has that's going to change you, and then you, in turn, with a man as the head of their households, you're going to turn right around, and you're going to teach your children. You're going to nurture them. You're going to train them up in the ways of the Lord and invest in their lives based on how God is changing you. Isn't that a good idea? <laughs> Something to consider? I thought that was good. So, uh, They'll, be, they'll grow up in that household of faith at home and in the, the place where God has set them. So be, be watchful. Be careful on how we base decisions. It should all be that I, I decide as I'm bidden to decide. John 5, 30, uh, as Jesus said, how he made decisions. I just allowed my father to affect my heart and... Uh, it says, you know, delight yourself in the Lord. He'll give you the desires of your heart. We're like, oh, God's give me the desires of my heart. I desire this. I desire that. And read what it said first. It delights yourself in the Lord. That means be soft, be pliable. Remember, not that, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would have gathered you up often, but you refused. First comes the delighting yourself in the Lord, being soft and so pliable to his ways, to his will for your life. And then those desires, they're going to be his his desires, but you're going to be, oh, so delighted to watch them take place and happen before your eyes. There, there are some things that, um, according to the word, and there's more things, this is just a few, that we should be desiring. And I, I, I just came up with three of them. And um, we're not going to go there, but you can write down First Peter 2, 2. 
It says desire the pure milk of the word. The scripture later also talks about, you know, having meat because there's a meat of the word. But for whatever reason, if you feel like if you want some areas of barrenness, if you want to get down the road and go uh, remove that barrenness, desire. It says desire the pure milk of the word that you may grow thereby. All this is for the reason to see growth, to see flourishing, to see us growing in the things of God. 1 Corinthians 14.1 says, desire to prophesy. Like, oh, no, no, I don't want to do that. You know, but Scripture says we're supposed to desire it, supposed to covet it even. That's, you know, speaking forth God's heart. And, you know, it might have to be done in, in fear and trembling. Like Joyce Myers always says, well, just do it afraid. You know, don't let that be a reason for, to stop you. But desire to prophesy because it says that it edifies the body. I'd like to be edified. First, I'm just letting it out there. So I would, I would desire to see the word of the Lord being, being spoken and prophesied, whether it's through song, whether it's through word, whether it's through an analogy. I, I saw this at a place we went uh, to church years ago. I saw someone bring, uh, it was, we were talking about chains, about people being bound up, you know, and in chains and being set free. And he, he left and went out to his truck or whatever, but then he came back and walked in carrying one of the heaviest, thickest chains I've ever seen. Just carried it in and then just plopped it there, just, you know, threw it down on the altar. That thing just thud, you know, it just hit. But it spoke, you know, just seeing like how those chains bind us up. Why would we want to continue to live that way? And people will do that because it's, it's comfortable, they're used to it. But God wants us to break out of those chains. So desire to prophesy. Uh, Another one, this one would apply mostly to the man, but women too. But it says, desire the good work of a bishop or, or a deacon. First Timothy 3. And you're probably saying, I don't know what you're talking about. What's a deacon? There's, and that's just about uh, serving, about how you can serve, and the capacities that you can serve and function in a body. But desire these things. Get into your Bible and start uh, looking up desire and see what are the things I should be desiring that God has for me to desire, that I might grow thereby and have that full intention of filling those lines in your habitation and, and be very um, jealous for it. It's your habitation. It's no one else's. No one else can fulfill that and do what God has for you to do. Amen? And the, the gear is down. plane is coming in. And so to so make sure that you... Are coveting that, you know, but get before God and say that God, if I've abdicated, I repent, forgive me, blessed is he that comes in the name of the Lord, like show me more of what my lines are, cause me to grow, give me that desire for your word, uh, let me go to those and say, teach me the word of God, not just, you know, pray for me, do all the work and maybe things will change and get better, no, teach me the word of God, that I can begin attending and inclining and not letting depart and have him find those words and be a, a true seeker. Amen? Amen. Amen. Why don't you stand to your feet? If you got something out of today, why don't you give God thanks with your hands? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you so much. Thank you for your words. Thank you for the words of the kingdom. Zechariah chapter 2. Zechariah chapter 2. You can keep praising him. Thank you so much. Thank you for the words of your kingdom. Thank you for words of authority. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Lord.
in this time appearing and speaking to us about your kingdom, speaking to us about reality and aletheia and truth that are in your kingdom, that build your house, promote your church and extend your kingdom. Amen. 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 Look at this. These are kingdom terms. The Lord's visiting and giving us kingdom words. Amen. Listen to this. I lifted up my eyes and again and looked and behold a man with a measuring line in his hand. Say measuring. And that's what Anna was talking about. Measuring. For what? And then he said whether he goes on the next. Sorry, I can't go to the. Uh, he measured the, the, breath, the breadth and length. He started measuring. See, that's what the Lord's doing in this time with the kingdom. He's measuring me. Say he's measuring me. To fit me. Say to fit me. To place me. Say to place me. Okay. Let's go on to the fourth verse. Measuring. For, look at that next verse. And he said to him, run, speak to this young man, saying, Jerusalem shall be inhabited. Say, measuring for inhabiting. Say, Lord, you're measuring me for inhabiting me. You're measuring me to occupy me. You're measuring me. So you're placing me. Amen. That's, that's God's verbiage right now. Kingdom right now. Close your eyes one more time. Put your hand over your heart. And say, Lord... It's time for me to awake and remain awake and be set, firm, placed in my place that you designed for me. I've been born again for the kingdom for such a time as this. I'm occupying. I'm receiving my placing. And you're extending yourself through me. In Jesus' name, amen, amen, amen. Yeah. Amen. Um, this is maybe sort of preaching to the choir, but uh, I want to just take a minute. Men, uh, husbands, uh, I want you to just say this with me. Don't say it right now. We're going to uh, proclaim that as for me in my household. We will serve the Lord. That spoke to me. Joshua, not his wife, said it. And he didn't say, as for me, and if anybody agrees with me, they're going to serve. He said, as for me and my household, what you say as a man and a husband and the head of the home matters. It matters. So just repeat after me. As for me and my household. We will serve the Lord. Amen. Amen. I believe it makes a difference. Amen. All right.